Welcome to the 25th edition of Make Pro Wrestling Majestic again. I am Tiger Height. And I'm Peanut Gallery. And so, uh, since we don't have a show to cover and we are kind of strict on time and it's kind of weird that it's on a Saturday, we want to continue with that what makes a perfect blank when it relates to the professional wrestling industry. And we want to talk about what makes a perfect brand. Right. And we're, we're not just talking about the individual shows. We're now talking about... The, the identity the, of the, the brand. identity, right. The identity, the rosters, the writers, the producers, etc., etc. Right. And um, we'll start off, actually, with Peanut Gallery. Yes. On what his interpretation is as a perfect, uh, perfect wrestling brand. Right. Go ahead. So I think the first thing that comes to mind when most people talk about a brand is the roster. And... A roster is a very fluid, a very fluid piece of the brand. It, it's the glue that holds the brand together. Right. With that being said, is also the most volatile piece of a good brand. Right. There are injuries that happen. There are unexpected. Uh, unexpected crowd reactions. There's there's firings. all right. There firings, releases. Um, you know all of those things. There's even even if they are active within the roster, there's always going to be disagreements. There's going to be animosity. These are a lot of things that you have to keep in mind when creating. A professional wrestling brand and how you structure um, the matches. And how you structure the matches. So, the so you always have at least a main event scene. You always have this because when a new brand and I apologize for interrupting because this is important. Is when you develop a brand, you have to think ten years in the future. Is this person a good wrestler? Do they have the? That's look? not what I'm referring to right oh, now. Okay, you're you're going way off track here. I'm just talking about the structure of the roster in general, in okay. that there needs to be a hierarchy. Yes, and I think it's important to be flexible with that hierarchy, but there's always going to be a, a structure of rigidity, and you have to be very cognizant. As to how your roster is structured, whether your roster is too big or too small, whether it doesn't have enough main eventers, too many tag teams, there's a lot of different things because mm -hmm. that is going to influence how the show is written, produced, and created, and how the and how it goes through those motions and develops into a cohesive identity. Right now. A roster, yes, over the years it's going to change. And so you can't really, you know, you can't like put your all of your eggs in one basket, so to say. So you were talking a little bit about developing a roster in terms of its individual parts. Right. But I don't think that that is important as far as creating a good brand goes. You need to first have the roster and the cohesion in order to... Uh, even even get someone to that point because you cannot get a rookie to a main eventer without having a good roster around them. That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. Right, but again, you're you're going off. I was on, I was I was I was off a, on a tangent. I was I was two steps ahead. Yes, that's what I was going to be saying. You just can't put a bunch of rookies into a roster and think and people perceive them as main eventers. Right. 
there was a careful construction of a roster. Right. Not only with like main eventers and stuff, but also the individuals, if they're going to be good or not. I will discuss that further in mind, right, but I want to make that clear. That's fine. But anyways, the first thing is that you have to take your roster and into consideration. A, this is a great thing about you, keeping people in track. Right. Too. But you, you know, again, it's the most volatile piece. Right. But it is the glue that holds the brands together. Now, let's go off of that and think about the people who are writing and producing the shows as well, because those are other important factors to keep in mind as mm -hmm. well. The, the writing staff and the production staff have to be very involved with the wrestlers. They have to, they can't be detached from the process. Right. And so I think what's going on with WWE is that the writers, I feel, are very detached from the actual wrestling that's right. going on, the actual roster. And do you remember that one fired writer that they had, um, that one girl who did the interview, and yeah. she, she even said, like, outright, I knew nothing about professional wrestling when I got this job. Professional wrestling, you have to have be you have to be passionate about the product right. to produce a good product. Right, and that's not how you hire somebody. <laughs> right, and and so you know again, that's what makes bad wrestling is the writing staff being detached from what's going on in the ring. Now compare right. that to other promotions like Impact Wrestling, like Ring of Honor, like New Japan Pro Wrestling, where the creative staff consists of members maybe not all of them are professional wrestlers or active professional wrestlers but at least they have an understanding of the business and they're passionate at least, about it. at least they know what's going on inside the ring and inside the arena more importantly right and they know what the people are going to like because guess what as fans themselves i think because you have to have some sort of passion right. to be a writer for professional wrestling right it just has to happen. It just has to happen. You you can't be a newscaster without having some sort of passion for newscasting. Right. You can't do that. Right. It's, you know. So um, that's another. That's that's just one thing. Now production staff being intimately involved in in the the development of a show itself. They they also have to be. A lot of them have to. Be, uh, former professional wrestlers, which a lot of them are. A lot of them, right. a lot of the producers are former professional wrestlers across multiple brands. Right. And I think that having uh, a good production staff that's keenly aware of what's going on is important because they're the ones who are dictating the narrative to the majority of people who are engaged in this product by watching it on television. Right. Do you have to go in on somebody's face to get a face reaction? Right. Do you, um, is there going to be a sneak attack so don't show this camera angle we need to make sure that the perception on television makes sense for what we're trying to say. Exactly. And when there are problems with that, it becomes an issue. Right. Now, within at least like the physical production of the show, yeah. I'll be totally honest with you. There has to be at least one. But if you have a if you have a passion for like the actual production, I think you could possibly pull off not being a fan or at least not being a fan at that time of wrestling you, when getting you, a job. I think I think you have to. 
I think that okay. I think that writing and production both have to be they both have to be passionate about the product at a minimum, if not formerly or currently even in some cases right. a part of the profession. Okay. Um, another important thing I want to consider as well is the coaching, the development of new stars. Um, and the development of new stars, as as we know very well, is a long and arduous process to create. New stars in wrestling are not just created overnight. Right. Even if they seem like they're, quote, overnight successes, those, quote, overnight successes don't come without a, a huge amount. Few and far between. A huge amount of in-ring training, and even more importantly, out-of-the-ring training as well. If you right. don't have the out-of-ring training to induce emotion, to, uh, to memorize scripts, to tell a story... Then you're you're gonna fail. Well, because you have to memorize scripts in certain cases, which I still think is wrong. I don't or or be able to convey a message right in in some way. If, but you have to be an actor as well as an athlete in right. professional wrestling, and it is important that the coaching staff is also keenly a part of the process of developing. A professional wrestling brand. Right. So we, we kind of come to this point where there's the roster, the overarching, you know, the glue that holds everything together. Mm-hmm. The 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 thing that makes the money. Mm-hmm. And then you have teams of people that work perhaps behind the scenes in many cases, consisting of A creative writing. Mm-hmm. B production and C continued education and training. Right. That is how you create this cohesive roster of that's how you make the roster work. Right. Now not not every single professional wrestling brand is going to have something like this, but there are plenty of wrestling schools that are more than happy to get some of their students in front of at least every, a promotion. Every single brand that that exists today is affiliated with a wrestling school of some sort. Right. They're not. They're. They're not. Yeah, but, all... but they're not going to have a. My my point is, they're not going to be a WWE Performance Center. They have to have a new influx of people. Right. But and work with them, like Monster Factory. Right. But again, that's that's just where you get the training. But there are coaches within Monster Factory that were either former professional wrestlers or current professional. Yeah, wrestlers. the owner of Monster Factory is that, and there are a lot of yeah. There's there's obviously a lot of people who went through the Monster Factory that are even in WWE right now. Riddle went through the Monster Factory. So, anyways, the other important piece I think as well to take into consideration is titles because that really is. That is kind of the prize. Those are the benchmarks for... This is for, what people are working to. Right. For a brand to determine whether someone is is at the level that they're at. Right. So, uh, you know, we're, we're looking, for example, at a singles male title. In, some, in many cases, there's two of those. There's a secondary and then there's a primary. Um, there is a tag team championship. There is a women's championship there might be a special division championship but the point of those championships is not not only to be a prop for people to identify with okay this person is the best because they've got the belt but it's an important benchmark for those staffers that are outside of the outside of the roster to determine 
who is you know who is where on that totem pole exactly it is it is the foundation by which everything that a roster goes through is measured right that's the purpose that's how you should view a championship within a good professional wrestling brand right. it is it is an identifier for people who are not in the ring day in and day out to determine who is where on the totem pole, but it is also a benchmark by which people have to strive towards whether or not you are in the active right. roster. Right. If, if you're in a tag team and you see the Usos with the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, that's the bar you have to be at. But if you're a creative writer who doesn't know who 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 just is fresh and new, you know that okay, this is the best tag team. Right. And so you're gonna you're gonna put your eye more towards what is the best tag team and what standard do I have to put other tag teams up and, and set up that that right. set up that hierarchy for them to, for for other teams to achieve that same level. Right. Um, and then I want to go over I think one last thing about you know just in my opinion what makes a good professional wrestling brand, and and I think a lot of that is just presentation. And again. That is determined by those staffers on the outside. Right. The staffers on the outside need to work with the roster and determine what the best presentation is because that is everything. Right. And if if your if your uh, if your outside staffers are disconnected from the product that they're producing, then the product that you're producing is going to be disconnected from the fans. Right. Because the majority of people are going to be watching it here. But, you know, there's the lighting, too. And, you know, people need to watch. That's, that's making a good show, though. We talked about that right. last Right, okay, time. I see. Well, I, I feel like, in a way, this is kind of that as well, don't you think? I mean, shows are just a component. Right. We're not talking about the nuances of the show itself. Right. We're talking about the people who are putting the shows on and putting the pay-per-views on. Because, oh, I see what you're saying yeah, now. So, okay. so I have this big bubble of the roster, and they have these little bubbles off of it that need to be connected to that in order for the brand to work. In order for the brand to work, right? That 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 legitimately is what makes a good brand is right. a group of people working together for the common cause of driving revenue, of right? Making the fans happy, no matter where they're at, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So that's kind of what I got. Yeah, no, I like it. So when we come back, I will be talking about what I believe would make a perfect professional wrestling brand. So we are back. And when I think a lot about brand, a lot of mine is also presentation because how you perceive the brand is the look, the style, and everything. And you did touch upon it. But I want to talk about this clear, just identity confusion mm -hmm. with NXT because for NXT for years and years and years it was the grunge brand uh, with WWE you had a smaller arena with the darker feel the colors here the black and gold there what this identity became that NXT's identity and identity is super important when it comes to a good professional wrestling brand I mean, we've seen Impact Wrestling go through 20 different brands, and they finally found one where they stuck. But they went through a bunch of different title looks, and they have did a bunch of different, 
you know, roster changes. And they did a bunch of this stuff where people were confused of what Impact Wrestling was supposed to be. And they finally kind of found their little niche and they're like, all right, we are not doing this anymore. WWE should have that same mentality, but unfortunately they're not. They change it to this. This is not NXT's identity. If they wanted to do something where they push the younger stars, and I don't particularly mind that, they should have done something different. They should have done a different brand or repackage something else. But unfortunately, there's not really another brand brand that has that at all. And people are like, oh, well, what about Main Event or 205 Live? We'll talk about 205 Live because I think um, I have two points to make on that. I've, I, I like the NXT's presentation. I think it works to a way, but at the same time, when you tell me NXT, I don't think of this NXT, I think of this NXT and of how they structure that with a bunch of indie stars. That's what I think about with NXT, not the future per se, the, you know, the people who are the super technical, awesome wrestlers who are proving themselves in the WWE brand. That's what I think about with NXT, because that was golden era NXT. Let's talk about 205 Live, since I somewhat brushed up with it. And I have two issues with 205 Live as a not a perfect brand. They lost interest in 205 Live. And how they put 205 Live was their downfall. They had the roster, and they had the presentation to a point, but they put it with Raw. Nobody's going to care. And how 205 Live was born was in that setting of that grunge thing because they saw all the indie stars and they built it around that. But unfortunately, they went a different way. And I think that was the downfall of 205 Live. But also, 205 Live had a gimmick. And some gimmicks can work when it comes to a brand, you can have an all men's brand, you can have an all women's brand, you can have an all blank brand, and it can work, but you gotta stick with it. They didn't do that with 205 Live. They tried to get Buddy Murphy in there. He didn't meet the 205 Live standard. You had women starting to wrestle there. They were technic they are technically there, but unless they're deemed cruiserweights, which is what 205 Live was supposed to be, you're not, people are gonna get bored with it. And then they're like, oh, we'll introduce this and that, where they're clearly not 205 pounds. You're going to cripple this unless you stick with it. And you give it the right presentation. This was not meant to be in an arena. This was because the, um, uh, the uh, what was that? What's that tournament called? The CDC. That, uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. Thank you, Cruiserweight Classic. That whole thing was in that enclosed area, and you, like I said, you even said about production. This had that production standard, and then they tried to jump it to something where I don't think people were comfortable with it. Stick with it. And then they got bored with it. Why did they get bored with it? And then it, now it's to where it is now where they don't even have a championship. It's now the NXT Cruiserweight Champion. When was the last time you saw that title? on 205 Live. Like, come on. And since we're talking about titles, there is a, you even talked about the hierarchy, but there are, there is a limit to how many champions should be with a brand based on the roster sizes. 
and um, AEW is doing it right. And they're doing it slowly because they understand that they can't over-egg the pudding when it comes to this. They're introducing a secondary singles women's championship. Mm-hmm. How many women's tag teams right. are on AEW right now? They understood that the roster needed another title, but everybody else is introducing a women's tag. Right. Let's do a secondary women's champion. That is doing a different brand. And they're putting the TBS name on it because they're going to TBS because it worked. And it's it, this is important because the WWE has the opposite issue or Impact Wrestling has the opposite issue. They're introducing another title. Mm-hmm. And you and I had this huge dissertation on who's going to be going for this title, but I'm like, they all the roster is not WWE or AEW. Right. It's, you know, a fourth of that or a third of that. Mm-hmm. They have... The X Division, World, Tag, Women's Tag, the Women's. They're going to have, have six titles. Right. That's absurd. Yeah. AEW can get away with it because they have, you know, 90 people right. signed to their roster. They have the roster for it. AEW, Impact Wrestling does not have a digital media champion, like, thing. They just right. don't. And that's also important. And... Having that perception of this is top tier. You want top tier people with these belts. And when you have six titles with a roster of 20, you're devaluing all of them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about what you shouldn't do with this because we have seen two failed experiments when it came to this. I have never been a fan of intergender wrestling. If you're going to have both genders in there, great. But don't have them wrestle each other. Because you're going to be putting yourself into a compromising position where there's going to be a perception issue. This is this is an example of where it could work because Nia Jax is much larger of a woman than other women. So... Her being in the Men's Royal Rumble, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of it because I'm not a big fan of Nia Jax anyway, I understood it. Like China, she was six foot one, 200, you know, 230 pounds of raw muscle. She could compete with men and it makes sense because, I mean, did you see the look of her? But when I see a person like Tessa Blanchard, how am I going to perceive her beating people like Sammy Callahan, a violent, crazy motherfucker. Or Brian Cage, who is just, you know, 300 pounds of anaconda muscle. I'm sorry, there's a perception here where I'm like, I can't believe this unless you pull off a bunch of bullshit. Like, come on. It was an experiment that failed. And I think the television ratings and what people said online, you know, like Booker T said that it was a mistake. It was not the right call. And I think Impact learned from it. Thank God. And finally, I think when you think about the perfect brand, you can say the roster size or the quality of the people or the titles or the, you know, the, the branding itself. And that's all good. But I think going down to the wire... Like a Dean Malenko, the head producer for AEW, 
is I think the glue that holds it all together. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't have the right people in charge of certain things like production, you're not going to have a show. You can have the best writers, but horrible production and people aren't going to like the show because it's lit weird. The camera angles are off. Um, you know, there's not a flow to the card itself. Mm -hmm. That stuff is important because of perception and with everything else, perception is key. And a person like this is that glue that holds it all together to make that perfect brand. Mm -hmm. AEW would not have been the thing it was without a good production staff and carefully calculated planning comes from production. Mm -hmm. Everything goes through production. Right. New titles, new wrestlers, how they're perceived, new anything goes through them first. Mm -hmm. And Dean Malenko has a great track record of being an awesome production lead. He's a senior producer. And I think what we're seeing with AEW is where is is just an example of what I'm talking about here. That's all I really have okay. for my part of this. Uh, do you have anything else to add regarding what I said? Not really. Okay. So um, that is actually the end of the show. So Peanut Gallery, what is next week? We have a show. We do. Um, it is <laughs> it is um, Tripla Oz Heroes Immortals. Yes. Yes. So that is one of the five shows that they run, and we run we cover those. So we'll do a wrestling lesson. Yep. We'll do a heckling, heckling, and we'll do that show. And I think that's the only show that's been announced right now. Yes. I'll, I'll keep you guys up to date on if there's any changes regarding that. But right now, that's the only one. But if you did enjoy this, remember to like this video, subscribe wherever you're either listening or hearing this. Become a patron. There's going to be a link tree down below. Follow us on all of our social medias to keep up to date. And as always, be majestic. majestic.